Welcome to the McCovey Croncast. It is Friday, March 18th. What is that? Yeah, it's the 18th. And uh, this week's co-host is Grant Brisby from McCovey Chronicles. Welcome, Grant. Hi, how you doing, Brian? I'm doing fine. It only took me a few times to say the title of the podcast, but here we are. Um, so the big news this week in Giants baseball, uh, well, it's spring training. How big can the news get? So I, to me, the biggest news, oh, go ahead. I think the biggest news is that Doug was fired. Doug was fired. We sent him to Chile. We just yeah. sent him to another country. Um, what happens? Uh, the biggest news to me was that Johnny Cueto got hit by a line drive. <laughs> and it's fine. Uh, and, and that's great. That's the big news. The, that is fine uh, because that was a screamer. And he somehow deflected it off his uh, glove. And he also refuses to wear the giant uh, foam hats that they have, which are getting better. But... Um, yeah, so Johnny Cueto's worked out well since they've gotten him. There, yeah. <laughs> everything's pointing up. Um, I mean, there. You remember that old Mitch Hedberg joke where it's like the guy had a nose ring and a ponytail, and uh, Mitch Hedberg. He said to Mitch Hedberg, "Hey, you've got a not alert and a lot of nerve." And Mitch Hedberg said, "Well, you've got a lot of." cranium accessories <laughs> and it's actually one of my least favorite Mitch Hedberg jokes but he tells it well but I think if you put like a big giant Mario hat on Johnny Cueto that would be too many cranium accessories <laughs> I, th- I think he just he's got his look it's great and I'm usually pro gigantic hat and I try not to make fun of him because I, I appreciate the intent uh, but at the same time it's I think Johnny Cueto has got his, his look going and, and I think it, it looks really really good on him so uh, I don't begrudge him that at all too much flair. Too, too much flair. One piece uh, many. The thing is, if more guys wear these, there will be more money poured into them, and they will get better over time. You know, we can the you know phones today are smaller because, well, or bigger but thinner. But you know what I mean? Like they they do so much more because people buy them and they have the money to make them better and and impro- or, uh, innovate and create new technologies. So. So you're saying, that you're saying that we should be able to, like, check Facebook on our hats? I kind of am. I think there should be some sort of uh, virtual, yeah, some augmented reality integration going forward. Um, <laughs> I, just pre- be- I just pretend my hat has Siri. I just, like, tap the top <laughs> and just pretend, like, I'm answering my own questions. <laughs> well, who wouldn't like to just walk around and, and get answers from the air? There's certainly a lot of people who already try to do that. Um but, you know, Johnny Cueto not had, uh, numbers-wise, a great spring, but, you know, it's only a couple starts. You know, he's working on some things, and we're going to take it slow with him. Uh, and I have nothing, as I said last week, I don't, I don't care if people are worried about spring training stuff because it's meaningless. On, this, on the other hand, I just watched Jeff Smarge's start, and, <laughs> yes. and I was thinking, well, that's, that's good. It was really like, that's great. I like that. I like that. And then literally six batters in a row, I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the game. <laughs> uh, and it all just spiraled out of control quickly. And so I guess if you watch, pay close attention to spring tra- spring training games, emotions, your emotions can go haywire. That's for sure. 
Yeah, it's it's the only piece of evidence you have over like the last five months. You have no other evidence. I mean, you have the statistical evidence. You have what you know about these players, but the actual tangible evidence, like that, your eyeballs get and process to your brain. It's like this is all you have. You spent a long time without any evidence. You just with this, these kind of anecdotes and hopes and dreams, and now you're like presented with the grim reality of someone getting blown up in spring training. It's it's gonna it's gonna affect you in some capacity. Every fly ball is a home run. Every fly ball, literally, any time the ball gets in the air off your pitch. No. Oh man, it's it's bad for me this year because I'm I'm paying so little attention to spring training on purpose. Um, just well, saying, like I'm, I'm I'm really you know I'm trying not to listen to as many broadcasts. I'm trying not to uh, really dive into the minutia because. I just I think it's a good way to burn myself out, and I have that luxury um, in that you know I've got another part of my day job to kind of keep me occupied and very very busy. So I'm just doing my best not to you know focus on spring training because it seems like a great way to just beat your head against a wall. Sure, I mean, and watching Angel Pagan, which I'm going to bring him up later, but watching him in his first at bat against Iwakuma today. You know, Iwakuma threw two really great pitches that were called balls when Pagan was down 0-2 in the count, and he laid off, and I was thinking, is this just spring training, or is this like a guy who's getting sharp, and was this, you know, Iwakuma? And then I just stopped thinking about it, (laughs) and I didn't want to continue the thought process because it's just guys getting work in, and who knows when there's real standings on the line, how these things change. But at the same time, just watching every fly ball off of off of a Jeff Smarja pitch go over the fence is is, is galling. It's just it, it's deflating. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one reason why it's so easy for us to be dismissive about how much spring means is that it's kinda like a way of acknowledging that every game is pretty meaningless in some capacity, and yet we're we're kind of tasked with putting meaning to every individual game that is meaningless, and like we recognize it, and it's like we're we're trying to look at the collective and the sum, but you know we're we're tasked with you know going through every game and saying here's why this is important, why you should pay attention to this when it's secretly like. No, don't pay attention to any of it. Just like catch up at the end, you know, just <laughs> just get, just get a, the highlights at the end and you'll know what you need to know. Um, yeah, I think that's – to. I had to make a choice that spring training – and this was like three or four spring trainings ago where it just doesn't matter. The only thing that I take seriously still is that anytime they say like, oh, this guy's tweaked uh, some sort of in- injury because I know enough from – being alive that every time they report a minor spring training injury it's like two weeks later oh yeah his arm fell off right we just said it was a sprain and and so that to me that's where you still get the biggest whoppers of injury reports we thought it was just slight gangrene that's right uh it seemed like he had a cold but really he had an acl tear (laughs) (laughs) and dropsy yeah so those are the only things that i Remotely take, uh, you know, Ruben Tejada getting cut by the Mets tells me like, oh, his leg might be gone. It might have, but there, he may not have a leg. Well, uh, it's his fault, not, you know. Right. <laughs> but they you know. can't, they can't say that he doesn't have a leg because they don't want the union filing a grievance to hurt <laughs> his earnings. Um, but like, he won't pass the medicals on another team. <laughs> I'd like to think like he, he came back like, uh, with his leg backwards or something. They 
they just reattached it wrong. And the Mets doctors are like, oh, here's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't see this before. Right. Yeah, this is probably your problem the whole time. Uh, one thing, though, that you cannot deny about looking at spring training, though, is Barry Bonds is still a useful player. You wrote about this on the site. <laughs> see how I get right into this? Former Giant. But yes. Barry Bonds at 51 years old, if you didn't read this article, he uh, he beat all the Marlins in a home run contest, a home run hitting contest um, the other day. And it's not a surprise. But it's let's talk about Barry Bonds for a minute at 51 years old, not having to go through spring training, still <laughs> being able to hit home runs. Oh, man. I mean, that's just the classic. I'm not sure exactly who coined the term old man strength. Um, like Shea Serrano, he's a writer. He used to write for Grantland. Uh, he he uses it a lot. He says there's, it's like the kind of old man strength you get from like carrying eight bags of groceries in at once. It's like there's different things that you do to prepare you for the world when you're an old man. And that's just Bonds. Bonds is carrying eight, eight bags of groceries in at once. And uh, you know, God bless him. He's a, he's a very powerful dinger hitting machine. <laughs> Just uh, if you're his kid or a loved one, don't ask him for like emotional <laughs> advice or or how to deal with the pro- ups and downs of the world. He's like, I've only got enough strength for one thing, son. <laughs> <laughs> well, he shares it with us. I mean, that's the important thing. That is important. Uh, and, and in your article, you mentioned that they have, the Giants haven't had a 30 home run hitter since Bonds left. Do you think that, I mean, you remind us of that, and do you think it's possible that there hasn't even been a Giants 30 home runs, uh, home run contest in the backfields of spring training hitter since he's left? It's possible. It's possible. It's a, it's a, it's a very complete team, Brian. It's a very well put together offense. It's just, it's not uh, saturated with with dingers now. I could just imagine someone you now, one of the players leading them out the charge, like let's go hit a bunch of home runs. Like Aubrey Huff probably was like that, and everyone else, he goes out there trying to hit as many home runs as he can, and meanwhile, all the other guys are like, I'm going right back up the middle, <laughs> <laughs> slap to the other side, slap right. to the other side. Are you taking pitches? We're trying to hit a home run. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's for the best, but I still would just like to see a 30-dinger guy. I mean, we thought, like, Brandon Belt, the start of 2014 when he was going off, it's like, this is it, this is the year, nope. Yeah. <laughs> and then just offense kind of cratered at, this, at the same time, Bonds left, and the Giants play in, you know, AT&T Cavernous Park, and it, so it's... I get it, you know, it doesn't really say much about the team, it's just sort of, I don't know, I kind of want, like, a 30 homer guy like the Orioles have 50 homer guys why can't we have a 30 homer guy and it is one of those things you know when a team wins everything is great the way that the team does it is great and Mm. there's nothing wrong with that you know if the Royals played how they played and they only won 72 games or whatever their projections said then people would have a problem with the style that they play and if the Giants hadn't won three World Series in the last six years, then people wouldn't be sitting there going, uh, well, I'll, I'll live with it. And, yeah. The Royals had 95 home runs in 2018. Yeah. 95! Yeah. That's like, <laughs> you know, Bonds had 73. <laughs> he didn't make the World Series by himself. <laughs> Which uh, I, I want to bring this up, and every chance I get now that there is a podcast of record here, that uh, CSN Bay Area, when that was a thing, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Fox Sports Bay Area when that was a thing. Uh, after that season, 
they had a clips package. It was it literally took up an entire half hour of every home run of all seventy three, and it, all, it's all it did was just play them one after the other. And I have never seen that anywhere online ever since then. Oh my. Uh, I don't remember that because I was an orphan at the time. That sounds amazing. So they would play that and it would just, it would be a half hour. It would play on weekends or like late at night or just randomly. And I'm sure someone taped it. Uh, you know, it, it was, and all it would do, it would, it would fade in and it would just be the pitch, right? You know, the pitch where he hits the home run. And they might, they might have spliced a call or two over it, but not, not every time. So sometimes it would just be the sound of him swinging and hitting the ball. And then the crowd cheering, like it wouldn't even necessarily be a, a broadcast call, um, and, and that's it. And it was just seventy-three home runs, Barry Bonds in a row. And I've never seen it again. Well, you know, I uh, I hate to throw my weight around, Brian, but I am a former Fox Sports Bay Area dot com contributor. Um, I'm sure you know this. Um, so I know some people, even though they've all moved on to Comcast and other parts of the internet. And I'll try and get with my people and see if I can resurrect that clip because that sounds amazing. And it really did take up like an entire a half hour block because with commercials and stuff. Like, yeah, it would have to go to commercial. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that's that's there we go. That's this podcast is totally worth it if that comes back. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> uh, one thing that I want to ask, we have a Twitter question that we'll get to in a minute, but uh, I don't want, I don't really want to get in, into the Twitter questions just yet. I want to get into another former Giant, because again, talking about Barry Bonds is great, um, but talk about an almost former Giant. It's a little bit crazier. Adam LaRoche was almost a Giant. <laughs> Seamless segue. <laughs> Seamless segue. Adam LaRoche was almost a Giant, and if you didn't hear the news... He's contemplating or retirement, or he actually did retire from the White Sox. He's forfeiting $13 million this year because the White Sox don't want his son Drake hanging around 100% of the time. They don't even want him hanging around the clubhouse 50% of the time. But apparently he's like a, like a, one of those impacted journalists with like a unit. <laughs> Drake LaRoche, he's just there all the time. And, uh, and so Adam LaRoche is going to retire now. Um, now because of that and i i want to it brings up two points one man i remember being really pissed that he didn't sign with the giants like he turned them down yep (laughs) and then i remember very quickly going like great i'm glad that didn't happen because he seems unlikable and if he didn't like the giants you don't want their money screw him and then the giants won the world series in 2010 um and so now i think about it and i still I still feel a little bit more like, yeah, good. <laughs> I, yeah. Was, I was big on Nick Johnson that offseason. But we all were good on the 60 games max we were going to get from Nick Johnson. And the Giants were never going to sign a guy that they were only going to get 60 games out of. Yeah, fair At enough. At best. But, I mean, we all were. It was like it was all there in the cards, on base, Sacramento native. You know, but he just didn't play a lot. And I thought maybe the Giants medical staff could do something. But LaRoche was power, which is why Sabian was after him, because the Giants needed power. And then Aubrey Huff came over, and like we all expected, I mean, that was the right move all along. Yeah, but to, to the point of children being around the workplace all the time, I mean, uh, you work from home, so that kind of, <laughs> you're kind of like, I think it's great. <laughs> well, yeah, <clears throat> yes, that's exactly what I think. <laughs> but the idea of a, of a, 
of a teenager. Uh, the other the other wrinkle here was that uh, LaRoche in 2013, when he was with the Nationals, was asked about this because it was the same deal. The kid was around all the time. And he said, well, we are not really high on school around here. And I, I told my wife that he's more likely to learn real life lessons in the clubhouse than anywhere else. So that to me was sort of like, okay, I'm annoyed that he turned on the Giants, but then I'm happy he turned out the Giants because baseball players, athletes in general, will say things that people who don't play sports their entire lives can disagree with a lot. But when you hear them, when you hear some of the bigger whoppers, it has the effect of kind of making you not like somebody, which is kind of unfair. So I don't want to just say I'm disliking LaRoche here. I'm just saying this is all pretty silly. It, it is. It, you know, between the time that we talk now and the time that people hear this tomorrow, which is Friday, which is today for you people listening. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm going to write the unwritten rules of bringing your teenage son into a clubhouse. <laughs> and so this will help me kind of talk through my thoughts. I think it's just you want to see both sides. Like it's, it's your brain is pulled two different directions. And basically the takeaway is like, you're not going to know exactly what's going on. You're going to have all these hot takes and they're going to be underinformed, and you're going to kind of side eye LaRoche for saying things like, you know, well, school's not a big deal and he's going to learn how to, you know, hawk a loogie 13 feet or he might only learn to hawk a loogie 10 feet in, in school. Uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to have all this. I just don't think you can know, but I also think, I could see more than one player thinking, I want this teenage kid out of the clubhouse. The same way that I would, when I worked in property management, I would say, I want this 14-year-old kid out of my office because he's a 14-year-old boy and those guys are jerks and they're weird and they smell funny. And like, like I, 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 if more than one guy went up to Kenny Williams or Robin Ventura and said, look, this is pretty annoying. I mean, I, I don't think that that's unreasonable. I think maybe it, it could have been handled better. I think uh, maybe they handled it completely awful. Maybe there was a big blow up. Maybe Kenny Williams said, get your, you know, smelly 14 year old son out of here or retire. Like I, you know, there, there's ways where both parties could have really, really screwed up. Um, but I, I'm not re ready to kind of hot take it up and, and say, oh, LaRoche is a fool for bringing this kid to, to work every day because he did that. You know, his dad was a ball player. Um, so he did that. And he's just kind of saying, well, it worked for me. Why wouldn't I do it? But at the same time, Kenny Williams and Robin Ventura were around a White Sox clubhouse when Adam LaRoche was the kid. And maybe Adam LaRoche was a total butthead and like <laughs> sour them. And now they're like, are you kidding me? There's another LaRoche kid that we got to deal with? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's a fascinating, fascinating portrait of modern clubhouse life. I think that there's a lot of uh, interesting dynamics and stories that could to be explored in the, in the modern clubhouse dynamic baseball, especially just because of how long the season is. And they really are, you know, there's the clubhouse culture, you know, and the other sports, let's say football, let's say that that clubhouse culture is such that it's kind of probably more generic. Probably. I don't feel like a clubhouse culture is going to be as formed over 20 weeks or whatever it is, as it is in the baseball season or basketball season or hockey right. season, just more, more time together uh, on the road and at home. And, you know, let's keep in with the giants here. It's, it's, it's impressive that there hasn't been that sort of, 
you know, all the players that we've heard any negativity from it, it's kind of how it's, you want it to be if you're the ownership or your management. It's directed at them in recent years. And when it was Bonds, it, it was like the players were having an issue with him. Um, so in terms of negativity for the Giants, for the fans, we, we basically get to see, like, everything's great. We've got a great clubhouse culture. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with Bochi. But could you imagine <laughs> what a kid would do to that mix and if that would sour it? I mean, it's exactly, and it's and part of the problem is that LaRoche isn't a, a star. He's not Barry Bonds, so he doesn't get to have Nikolai in the clubhouse. And if like Giants fans are going to get cocky about this, remember that like one of the most famous Giants highlights of the last twenty years is a three-year-old getting pulled out from home plate because he was about to get obliterated in the middle of a baseball game. I mean, it's just like <laughs> some guys like to have their kids around. I mean, I, I don't know how much time you spend around a three-year-old, but like they they don't listen. They don't do anything you want them to do. They're, you know, they're basically just like geckos, but they're hyperactive. Like they're just, oh. And so to have one like going out to collect a bat while these grown men are with spikes and, and clubs are running around, it, it, it in retrospect, it's, it's just completely bonkers. And so like Giants fans don't have – a whole lot of room to talk. Okay, now we're going to do our Twitter questions. Every week we ask for questions from Twitter. They could be about anything. Baseball, real life, who knows? No one's yet taken us up on those real life questions, which is unfortunate because I've got a lot of good stuff to give. But anyway, we'll turn to our first question from Twitter. Rob Hayner asks, uh, it's at Robert Hayner, best baseball game you've seen in person? I'll let you answer first, Grant, because I'm not entirely sure. I think for a long time, and it's still got to be at least a tie, was Barry Bonds' uh, 500 uh, against the Dodgers. Uh, it was a crucial spot in the eighth inning, and he hit it off Terry Adams, and he, he, he gave the Giants the lead. It went in the bay. They stopped the game for like 17 hours just to do like these tributes. Like, you know, Willie Mays came out in the field, and there was uh, tubas playing and, and hot air balloons, and, and the Dodgers just had to sit there and eat it. And it was so funny. Um, and then in the ninth inning, like Rob Nett almost gave it up, and Gary Sheffield was up. It was like the most tense moment I've ever been at, at live in a game almost. It was it was a good package. It was historical. It was the Giants beating the Dodgers. It was a late comeback. And then there was a drama at the end that all worked out. <laughs> That's the way you want As long as it works out in the end. Um, exactly. Let's see. I don't think I, I can't think the best game I've ever been to. So let's just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I've been to a playoff game. Every playoff game I've been to, the Giants have lost. So that's that's already a bad starting point. Um, that is, that's a very Brian Murphy fact. Yes. <laughs> uh, I went to the... I went to game two of that series uh, in 2010. And I think I was... And they lost that game um, where Posey grounds out with the bases loaded. And or hits in the double play, and I remember being so despondent on the Bart <laughs> ride back. I was like, "You're gonna go to Atlanta and just they're gonna lose." And I didn't even factor. I'm like, "This is the year Atlanta is not terrible <laughs> at home." <laughs> I just assumed that would be the case. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't, I don't have a lot of. Po- I mean, my strongest baseball, like my most positive baseball memory, is still the first one I ever went to. I mean, how sad is that? So. <laughs> Uh, I've been I've been a nice I've been to good Giants games before where they've like they won nine to nothing 
against the Expos, and that was a day game, but there was no very Bonds, which was whatever, but like stuff like that. But uh, in terms of memorable ones, I don't know. I was I was at the the Joe Morgan game. I was at the, the Bob Brenly Four Errors game because um, those those both happened on Sundays. My parents had like the one game a week season tickets. Uh-huh. Um, so like I I've, I've really stacked them up here, Brian. I, I I feel like I've been hoarding them. No, no, it's fine. I I uh, can only say that the best game I've been to was the uh, Garrison Hurst ninety six yard touchdown run uh, in overtime. That was the only. That was the coolest game I've been to. That was delightful. Was that in New York? That was in San Francisco, and I think it was their opening. It was their home opener. It was oh, the second awesome. game of the season. But that was also the game like Glenn. I mean, it, it was a portent of that entire season in 98 uh, for the 49ers because they could score, but Glenn Foley was the quarterback of the Jets. Who's Glenn Foley exactly? And he threw for like 500 yards. Um, yeah. So that was the pretty good sign of things to come. It was that peak Antonio Langham years? I believe so. I, yeah, that's right. But yeah. they, they, you know, that was Steve Young having to run the two-minute offense every two minutes. Every time they had the ball because they'd be trailing two touchdowns. <laughs> Oh, uh, I think there's a lot of R.W. McCorder's action there, too. <laughs> um, yeah, Antonio Langham, that's right. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, the, the Garrison Hurst run was one of my favorite football memories of all time. I mean, that was that, – there's nothing quite like in football terms, like just a, yelling at a guy while he's trying to run 300 feet away from other large men. That's um, right. <laughs> uh, nothing. Nothing like it in sports. Nothing. Uh, okay, let's see. Um, this is more of a request from at Sammy Higgins. Uh, she asks, tell Grant to burn the hat. He knows which one. And I think this is in response to something you uh, tweeted out a couple weeks ago where you it's were wearing a... Make America great, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to burn that hat. I'm sorry. I've got opinions, right? <laughs> well, first of all, who doesn't want to make America great? That's... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I've been looking for that hat for literally about seven years now, and I don't know where it's been or how I found it because I've moved since then. Like I should have found it during the move, but I've always wanted to just do it's an a, a split hat, one of these split A's Giants hats. And like my mom bought it for me unironically, you know, when I was 10, 11, whenever the Bay Bridge series was in full effect. Now, I don't think it was the World Series. It, it might have been. Anyways, and so I have that hat. And it, boy, it sure fits like a glove after all these years. <laughs> but uh, I don't. I think it's just funny. It's it's like such an instant trolling hat. Like there's almost no hat like it in baseball that you could put on and make people go oh. Like I guess there's they sell those ones where it's like it's the Dodgers logo, but it's maroon or something like that. Like there, there's a whole niche industry of crappy hats. Um, but at the same time, like that one is like people bought that on purpose. Lots of people. And you put it on and it's just like, <sighs> and you make the sign of the cross and stuff. And it's great. I love it. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable to look at. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And you know, technically the A's are my second team. I mean, I, I don't know. I live in the East Bay now. <laughs> well, here's my question. Why wouldn't the A's be someone's second team? If you love baseball, if you know, you're a big, you're as big a fan of the game as, as you are just a Giants fan. And, uh, and I mean, to me, I also grew up around A's fans my entire life. So I was either inoculated to it or it just, I didn't mind it. I didn't like having the Bash Brothers 
crammed down my throat because it's like they didn't even know that the Giants existed, which was always the part that made me not like a lot of A's fans growing up. But right. they're there, and sometimes their games are playing when the Giants haven't started yet, or the Giants games ended and the A's games going on, or it's cheaper and easier to get to the stadium. Yeah, <laughs> so I, there's I, a I, lot of things. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not ashamed to say I'm going to take my daughter to a lot more A's games this year than Giants games. It's because it's what I can afford. Um, you know, that that's not going to make me an A's fan necessarily. It's just it's it's I like having them here. I like when American League teams uh, come through town. If I want to see a team, I see them. Uh, I, I mean, I remember growing up when it was like, oh, you'd sit in the Coliseum and look at this place. Like I'm in a short sleeve shirt in the summer. I took public transportation to get here. Like, what is this magic utopia? And, you know, they did put in Mount Davis and it, okay, so it's run down a little bit. Um, but at the same time, it's basically the same stadium. I mean, like, in, like you sit in a seat and you watch guys run around on grass and hit baseballs with sticks. And it's like, it's the same thing. And I used to hold it in such reverence when I was a kid. Um, it's just kind of hard for me to, to join in with all the yuck, yuck, ODOT co jokes, um, even if they can be kind of funny. But, um, you know, it, you, you, when I was a kid, that was the park. Like they had Conseco McGuire. It was warm. They, it was a beautiful new ballpark that didn't smell like urine. Um, I should say newer ballpark, but it, you know, that's like it was like everything the Giants weren't. So you know, I still hold some respect for that. Um, so I don't think you should burn it either, but uh, definitely use it when you want to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> no, no problems down there. No. <laughs> So we'll turn to this week's game, and uh, this week's game um, comes from a Twitter question. It comes from Kristen, at Christy Tipswell, uh, and I believe she's married to Bill Hanstock, actually. This is Bill Hanstock's wife, Kristen. She asks, which baseball player would you nominate to the Supreme Court, and why? Like, you have to pick one. That's the question. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to keep the games... Uh, topical and contemporary and if you haven't seen the news it's going to be uh there's a vacancy on the supreme court which is oh. going to keep this as part as non-partisan bipartisan as i can who left there's, there's a vacancy on the supreme court and it could be some time before it's filled <laughs> it could be up to a year before it's filled so in the interim that allows for many possible nominations to come out of the woodworks Let's use some San Francisco Giants to possibly fill fill the void. Now, this is assuming that they would put base, leave baseball behind to take on a higher purpose and, and serve the government. And let's also ignore whatever age restrictions there are for the Supreme Court, which I think might be 30 or 35. I'm not sure. So let's start from there. It's also a lifetime appointment. Um, and I guess we would look at it as like what would be our justification for their either legal track record or their view on how the law or how the government should operate. Though that seems very fair and bipartisan, that setup. <laughs> good toe on that leg. Good, good thread in that needle. That's right. Good work. That's right. And this isn't even talking about uh, the current makeup of the court. Let's just talk about who would be the best possible jurist to put on there and why. So this is really just a two-hander. We'll each give out our nominee, I think. Okay. Uh, I mean, the the obvious answer, and I'm not. This isn't my answer, but it's like it seems like you know Buster Posey. He's going to be 
Harrison Barnes is vice president unless he's, you know, the president while Harrison Barnes is vice president. That's that's kind of the the story around the Bay Area. Um, but I'm not going to go there because I think okay. I'm not sure if Buster Posey's ever had an opinion um, on anything. Uh, he, he seems like a guy who keeps everything a little close to his, his vest. And, and I don't think he would be a top-notch jurist without further evidence. However, um, Javier Lopez would be on my short list, I think. But primarily, I just want to see the world burn. And so I'm going full Nick Swisher. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm turning the, the U.S. Supreme Court, one of our grandest and greatest institutions, into a Pauly Shore movie. And just being like, what if Nick Swisher were on the Supreme Court? Doing like, <laughs> or or be like the um, the newest Supreme Court justice is record scratch Nick <laughs> Swisher. <laughs> it's like, hey guys, sorry about this, but I thought I'd replace your gavels with something that squeaked when you hit them. <laughs> I gotta write this down. Like, That's right. what am I doing? <laughs> he's not writing the majority. He's <laughs> writing the brojority. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, Nick that's Swisher. Oh man, and that's that's a great pick because he's a switch hitter. So his politic, he could be a centrist for all we know. He could. He just goes right down the middle. He, that's right. He hits both sides equally poorly. That's right. <laughs> He does seem to be, if you're just looking at his baseball career, he definitely seems to be uh, one of those baseball junkies where he cares about the game and, and all that. So I think he would just go, he'd throw himself into it totally, 100%. Yeah, he would just yeah, have me just slide into uh, slide into walls and take bailiffs out at home. I mean, what you got to do? Clarence Thomas would like be wearing a hat and smiling after a couple of weeks and be like, what did he what has he done? That's right. That's the arc. He he teaches the, the Supreme Court how to loosen up. <laughs> and they'll need to as they face their most serious case ever. Oh, uh, <laughs> like they'll pull it together at the end. I love it. That's right. All right. Nick Swisher, that's really, really great. I mean, keeping it to Giants, that that's definitely... Yeah, I agree with Posey. Posey's never... But I think he would also just sort of take the the easy status quo decision you know he would kind of go with that not to rock the boat um <laughs> i can see that yeah uh i think i'm gonna nominate uh ron wotus <laughs> i'm gonna nominate ron wotus for for a couple of reasons the superficial one being he's due for something better <laughs> so, he can't get a fair shake in Major League Baseball for some reason. So there's you know, that. You know he can rock a bench. That's right. That's right. He's a great bench coach. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he could kind of bring that whole inspirational strategic mindset that they need, uh, like they're lacking in, but that he would bring it to the table. But, and I think he, he he's probably secretly a genius. Why is it, the Giants have kept him around? He gets all these interviews, but he doesn't go anywhere. But the Giants seem to be, you know, de- positioned well on defense. They seem to be very well prepared. These are all the things that a bench coach is basically responsible for. And um, also, it's never quite clear what a bench coach is responsible for. And I think that's important for the Supreme Court is that air of mystery. Wait, what is that guy <laughs> doing there? 
what is his job on on this bench? Is he conservative? Is he liberal? What's going on? And we just won't know. Air of mystery. Like, yeah, it's like him and Hensley Mullins. I'd like to think like before every job interview, like just Sabian or Larry Bear comes down. It's like I will pay you a million dollars to just first thing you do in the interview is just belch. <laughs> just loudly like would you re- would you refuse a million dollars just to belch in like the beginning of an interview like you wouldn't so like maybe that's their strategy they don't even get to the part where they where they talk talk turkey or talk money <laughs> uh so i think that's a good stopping point there <laughs> once we get to the million dollar belch bets we have <laughs> we have reached our end so we don't know what's going to happen with uh jeff samarja i think uh I think it's spring training and we'll hold our breath, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, well, good luck with the article. Oh, next week, uh, Brian Srabian from the Giants will be on. Do you have yeah. any advice for me? Yay. <laughs> it's, I like Brian. Brian's a good friend. He's a good good friend of the site. Is there a question that I should ask him? <laughs> um, just one. What's it like to be the general manager of the Giants? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Fascinating to me. It's weird that he wears multiple hats. It's such a <laughs> such an intense job. All of them. <laughs> all right, Grant. Well, Grant Brisby, thanks for uh, for thanks for joining us. SB Nation. You also write at, and you'll be writing something about Andy LaRoche's crying Jordan kid, and <laughs> also McCoveyChronicles.com. All right. Thanks a lot, and thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Brian Srebian and maybe a new co-host. <laughs>